Welcome to the Let's Talk Government podcast, a podcast that is provided for you by the Department of Government at Minnesota State University, Mankato, located in Minnesota in the United States. I am your host, Dr. Pat Nelson, the chairperson of the Government Department. I want to thank you for joining us as we explore different topics about government. Some may be surprising to you and some may not, so please enjoy. Welcome to episode five of the Let's Talk Government podcast. Today, we are going to discuss in defense of bureaucracy. I am joined by Dr. Josh Birkenpass, Dr. Scott Granberg Rademacher, Dr. A.G. Kawabata, and Dr. Amelia Pridemore from the Political Science Program at MSU Mankato. Dr. Josh Birkenpass is in his fifth year as an assistant professor of political science at Minnesota State University Mankato. Dr. Birkenpass focuses on political theory, American politics, and women in politics in his research. Dr. Scott Granberg Rademacher is in his 16th year as a professor of political science at Minnesota State University, Mankato. He serves as a graduate coordinator for the Masters in Public Administration and Community Leadership Program and is also serving as the department chairperson of the Economics Department. His research focuses on public policy, public administration, and American government. Dr. A.G. Kawabata is in his 16th year as a professor of political science at Minnesota State University, Mankato, and has served as a past director of the International Relations Program. He focuses on comparative government, international relations, and Asian and Pacific Rim politics in his research. Dr. Amelia Pridemore is in her second year as an assistant professor of political science at Minnesota State University, Mankato, and is joining us for a second podcast. She focuses on public administration, American government, and media and politics in her research. So thank you for joining me today. Before we get too far along, Scott, would you like to start us off on defining bureaucracy? Sure. Um, These are, this is ground that many people have tread before me, so... um, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, what bureaucracy is, at least the way that I think of it, is um, it's an aspect of government that consists of uh, a body or bodies of non-elected government officials. Um, by and large, they're in charge of implementing the, um, the laws of the land and um, There are some, I think, common aspects to a lot of bureaucracy, um, you know, uh, in terms of specialization, and they also tend to be somewhat hierarchical in nature, um, and so they tend to have a fairly common structure to them. Um, But in general, I think that's, that's kind of what bureaucracy consists of. Can I just jump in? Can I just jump in? Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. In in the United States, yes, implementing. Okay. I know, uh, but I'm talking about the formulation of policy. And I have a friend who was working at the Senate office, and he told me when he makes law, he has to go to bureaucrats because, you know, if they don't implement it, then obviously it doesn't work. So in that sense, but still, you you are right. Uh, but in other countries, usually bureaucrats at least draft laws, okay? And a uh, parliamentary system, uh, basically like Britain, Australia, 
uh, I think attorney general, but anyway, so they make laws. And of course, uh, they don't make decisions, but they make the content of laws. And, uh, or maybe France, um, maybe not named France or Japan, <laughs> bureaucrats have much, much more upper hand, but it's not dominant because some people misunderstand. So anyway, I just like to jump ahead to add some comparative perspective, okay? Josh, how about if I swing it to you for a minute? So how do bureaucrats work maybe like in the legislative process? I mean, why do we need them there? Uh, can you unmute? There you go. There we go. Uh, so when I think of bureaucracy, I, I think uh, first and foremost of the uh, U.S. political system, uh, which I think of as a, a set of institutions within which actors, uh, individuals act. All of those institutions are rule-bound organizations, uh, change the rules, change behavior, um, and the bureaucracy is an extension uh, of those rules uh, founded first in the Constitution uh, and then later through uh, statute laws uh, passed by Congress, state legislatures, uh, et cetera, uh, to empower uh, essentially the state to carry out some action. Um, a big part of American democracy, or I'm sorry, American bureaucracy, thinking about democracy, uh, American bureaucracy and other, I would say, liberal states has been to take certain ideas uh, and try to make them reality. For example, right, equality is, is the big one, um, especially in the United States, but in other Western liberal democracies, uh, trying to make equality uh, a reality, right? It's an ideal that many Americans share. Um, so we use the state, uh, and in particular, the bureaucracy, uh, to try to bring about uh, that reality. So, Amelia, let's jump to you and start thinking about maybe what is it not? What, do we, what are some things that we might think of a bureaucracy that really is not part of that? I would think too, um, I think of, I think that um, a lot of times that negative image is of the paper pusher um, and that kind of non-elected, um, unaccountable um, person that'll, uh, that basically is just there to abuse people and tie them up with red tape. And they're, they're looked at as the opposite of democracy a lot of times. They're looked at, at um, what makes government not work, um, kind of to, uh, kind of to um, show uh, kind of a, a converse way from what Josh said about reality. A lot of times the image of the bureaucracy is that it keeps effective policy from becoming a reality sometimes when actually it it is what Josh has had to say it's how the uh, how the policies that we need to make things better such as in uh, such as as Josh has said equality um, this is how it bureaucracy is what actually makes it a reality but I think a lot of times what happens is we wind up with this image of this horrible person that's tying us up in red tape and keeping reality from actually happening. And so I think that's a huge misconception right there. So Scott, as someone who really studies public administration, why do you think there is such an image that bureaucrats have so much power in our system here in the United States and worldwide? Well, um, Part of it is is that it's um, but there's there's probably several reasons why. Part of it is is that people don't really know what 
what bureaucrats do. I mean, they don't fully understand um, what what bureaucrats do on a day-to-day basis. Um, and, and I'm painting broadly here, but much like Pat, as you know, people don't always know what department chairs do either, right? And so people tend to attribute more power to these positions than they actually might have. But at the end of the day, though, the the bureaucrats are the ones that make the wheels turn. I mean, they're the ones who who do who pedal the machine. And so, um, in that sense, they do have a lot of power. And going back to AJ's point, AJ is absolutely right. Policy formation and the formulation of policy is really important. Um, bureaucrats tend to be experts in their field, and so there's a lot of times um, people in the legislature, <clears throat> legislative aides, they'll talk to the bureaucrats to see, um, you know, what they think about legislations coming up or have ideas for how to deal with um, how to deal with issues or problems. AJ, how about you? Would you like to add to that at all? Or even maybe give us a little international perspective about why does it seem like people think bureaucrats have so much power? Okay, so much power. I think it's more like a perception on the side of people. Uh, again, like one possible, definitely Scott is right. They don't know. And they may confuse you know, regulation with power. So if they find something uh, they don't agree with, then they feel like it's a power. <laughs> and if they agree with that, that's not power, okay? That's, it's, it's like what's going on, right? Basically, you know, if you feel like I don't wanna wear a mask, then that's gonna be an you know, exercise of power. But, <laughs> Or uh, something like the same person may say something like abortion or something. They don't think it's an exercise of power. So somehow it's, uh, yes, so in, in a way it's, there's a misunderstanding. And the other thing is probably, I don't know how American it is, but democracy needs, but maybe America said, needs somebody who operates it. Okay, they are experts. They need to have some uh, authority, not power. Okay, so the question is, the question is, the question you have to make, we have to see is how legitimate, right? How is it uh, authorized? So that's a question. It's not about I don't like that. That's why uh, they are. Uh, bullies or something, okay? So that's that's how I, I would uh, respond. All right, I'm going to throw this question out to anybody that wants to answer. So you see, we see in the media or we've seen in movies or news stories about corrupt bureaucrats, right? That you can go in and pay them so you can get your permit to build your house at the local level or even at the national level paying off people or getting favors through bureaucrats to meet with a senator. You know, how prevalent do you think that is and how do you think that really impacts the perception of bureaucrats in the United States? And I'll open that up to anybody to jump in on that corruption. Go ahead, Amelia. 
So one thing that I noticed, especially when I was doing uh, my field research in New Orleans, which uh, elected officials, bureaucratic officials alike, have for years had uh, a really egregious history of corruption. Um, one thing that I often find is that um, basically it just takes one sometimes. Um, it just takes one person to do something terrible but all and then what but what happens is is that view gets um you know well they're all crooks um winds up getting placed on that whole agency um or just government as a whole um even the elected officials basically it just takes one and all of a sudden everybody's terrible um which which can kind of distort things um, in a lot of ways in people's minds. I mean, in the Star Wars movies, Chancellor Palpatine became the emperor on the belief that the that it was the bureaucrats who really controlled everything, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, and I I don't want to stray too far into Josh's territory here, as he's the he he's the theorist, not me, but. Um, you know, I wonder if it's if the idea of corruption is just something ingrained in human nature. I mean, because we it's not like we only see corruption in the bureaucracy, right? We see it in the private sector. We see it in people's personal lives. We see it all over the place. So um, I'm personally, I'm not convinced that there is more corruption in the bureaucracy than there is in like the private sector. I just think it comes to light more often in the public sector. And that's why we hear about it and we think of it more. I think it's a good point, uh, particularly about uh, human nature. Uh, I think Amelia was touching on that as well, right? Uh, human nature being what it is. Uh, the uh, Madison and the other uh, writers in uh, the Federalist Papers, uh, we talk about uh, the corruption of human nature um, and that we're all sort of self-interested. And the, the point of government, right, is to try to sort of take that reality seriously and to create checks and balances, separation of powers, um, so that um, we can keep corruption basically to a minimum, all right, and to extend the longevity of the Republic, um, try to make, uh, you know, the country a place where everyone can pursue, um, as the Declaration put it, right, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, but I think part of what's going on in the moment, and one of the reasons bureaucracy needs defending, uh, is because of this populist moment we're having right now. Um, and one of the reasons populism is resurgent right now um, is because the people, or at least the folks who are participating in this populist moment, both on the left and the right, although the, uh, the conservative movement managed to elect a president, so we tend to focus on uh, populism on the right at the moment, um, a lot of that is due to a feeling of disconnect, right? Feeling uh, a lack of accountability, right? A lack of responsibility, uh, a lack of responsiveness on behalf of the state in general, government in general, um, and oftentimes the bureaucracy in particular. And of course that starts with, I suppose, citizen contact with the bureaucracy, which is often, um, or can be, I imagine, negative, right? Getting pulled over by a police officer, um, trying to go to the DMV on a busy day, uh, and things like this. Um, so lots of reasons why I think it does need uh, defending at the moment. Josh, be, oh, hold on a second. Hold on. Before we go on here, Josh, for those that maybe don't understand the term, can you just quickly define populism to maybe someone that's listening? 
Yeah, so populism is a movement that recurs um, throughout, um, I suppose, American political history, also uh, in Western liberal democracies. Um, and it tends to emerge as a movement uh, against bigness, right? Or at least it is in the moment, uh, against big corporations, big media, big university, if you will, um, and a response to feelings of uh, non-responsiveness, right? We're supposed to participate in this electoral system. We elect officials into office, and then our um, sort of interests and desires are not being um, accounted for. Right, the whole neoliberal program of pushing jobs overseas, downsizing of government, um, particularly the social safety net, has left a lot of Americans feeling as though, um, you know, Donald Trump was the best choice in 2016, for example. Thanks, Josh. And I know both AG and Amelia want to comment. We're going to do AG first, and then Amelia. Go ahead, yeah. AG. So, I think uh, public expects more from you know government organizations. Uh, like corruption happens anywhere, right? The use of money for your personal benefit, okay? And probably the money is much, much bigger on the pr uh, private sector, like banks. And, but what it tells is, uh, maybe it's a good thing. You know, bureaucrats should not have done, you know, that's out of question. And uh, if it's in the private sector, you know, that's another crime or something. You don't feel that. Well, anyway, but one point, that's my point. And then, then in that sense, uh, oh, anyway, let me stop, stop here. Okay, so that's what I, I feel, okay? Amelia? Uh, to echo Scott's point about Star Wars, um, I think media and particularly entertainment and pop culture really have a, a, an influence on uh, the negative view of the bureaucracy. I mean, think, think to yourself about any unelected official you have seen, whether it's somebody quote unquote real like um, like a police officer for example or a fictional bureaucracy like uh, like you know the the death star uh, right um, think about it how many of them were the hero and how many of them were the villains um, just to give one example um, Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter series um, Stephen King who created Pennywise the clown uh, for you know, I mean, he called Dolores Umbridge the scariest fictional villain since Hannibal Lecter. Um, and Dolores Umbridge was a, it was portrayed as a stereotypical yes woman bureaucrat. Um, look at some of the um, quote unquote real bureaucrats like uh, Ron Swanson from uh, Parks and Recreation, you know, old sullen kind of guy. And then, and then you get to the really super dangerous ones like those um, portrayed in The Hunger Games. Um, I think what happens is kind of like what pop culture does to us in general is that these become embedded in our mind as what reality is. Good. All right, so you're actually kind of, well, with all the great media references, now you've got a bunch of movies to go watch, but how about, let's think about this then, is if we're going to be defending bureaucracy, doesn't bureaucracy seem to go against the ideas of democracy? 
I mean, aren't we supposed to elect the people that take care of us and run the government? So how do they work together? Josh, you're smiling. Let's go with you first. <laughs> yeah, so that brings me uh, to one of my favorite points I make in uh, U.S. Gov every uh, semester is that um, the United States uh, Constitution founds a republic, right? Not a democracy. Um, and part of that republic, again, separation of powers, checks and balances, perhaps first and foremost to check the power of the demos, right? To check the power of the majority um, in society pr to protect minority rights uh, and things like this. Um, and that sort of thinking also, um, those ideas also got implemented um, in the development of the modern bureaucracy here in the United States, you know, coinciding with the rise of, of, of liberal democracy, I suppose, um, creating a situation where, where it was thought it was better um, to have um, you know, a bureaucracy executing the laws um, that was, you know, neutral, efficient, non-political, non-partisan, um, staffed by experts, et cetera, um, rather than having, you know, of course, political appointees and folks who were making decisions based on their personal uh, values and interests rather than the common good. E.G., what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, so I think I, I'm more probably, let me say I'm realistic. So democracy, this is how I think. Any democratic system has some kind of king, like monarch, like president, who has more power. And aristocrats probably upper, uh, you know, upper level bureaucrats, cabinet members. However, then of course we have a people. The question is, you know, what element is most important, okay? So otherwise, if you say democracy means people decide, it doesn't work in these complex organizations that we have. So the question, but I, on the other hand, that makes it very difficult to define democracy, I understand. But to me, reality is we have some sort of, you know, hierarchy in terms of power. Then, then the question is, of course, we know what, what system is not a democracy, okay? But the question, I think it's what to me, will continue, okay? But going back to my point, but the thing is, uh, if you ask me what democracy is in terms of principle, you should ask Josh, but the question is in terms of institutions, uh, to me, uh, it's, then that's, that's my understanding. That's why mistakes happens because, you know, some people have power, then that's anti-democratic. I mean, in modern democracy, that's not how it works. That's how, okay, that's my point. Amelia, you have any comments on this? Um, kind of to echo uh, some of what Josh has said about James Madison and some of the uh, ideals of the founders, you know, I'm, I've, I'm brought to uh, the Federalist Number 10, which was authored by James Madison. And one of the things that he points out is the uh, possible rise of factions and basically what that can be is, um, as he put it, it could be the majority it can be just a really loud minority, or he can, as he put it, an obnoxious individual. Um, 
And the thing, the thing that, that he feared was that basically a faction, even if it's the majority, could basically in a pure democracy um, absolutely overtake the rights of other citizens unless there are controls. And so basically, it, under Madison's view, if democracy doesn't have some form of control on it, democracy dies um, as a result. Um, so the, the thing that's uh, that should be uh, that should be noted is a lot of times the view on the bureaucracy, even though this wasn't exactly what Madison was writing about, is sometimes what uh, what bureaucracy can do is sort of put the brakes on factions um, and uh, kind of like what Josh said. This is this is a republic, right? A lot of times, if the noise becomes too loud, a lot of times the noise shouts over somebody uh, who may not have as much power but still deserves to be heard. All right, Scott, I'm going to point to you kind of with a question here. So, so how does bureaucracy make our government work even if an elected person has no government experience or a head of an organization has no experience within the organization? How does the bureaucracy make that work? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, and, and that that happens from time to time. Um, so there's a there's a there's a top the top administrators in the in a bureaucracy. They, these are individuals who are appointed, and um, usually they have to be um, confirmed by the Senate. Um, but they're below below that kind of top crust in a bureaucracy of management. There's um, you know there's lots of different layers of um, of professional bureaucrats. These are people who have gotten hired for the job that they have based on their qualifications. And so, uh, you know, the, a lot of times they're, they're the ones who make the, the agency go on a day-to-day -day basis. And so um, if you have, you know, if the agency has been, is being headed by someone who doesn't really understand or is incompetent to run the agency, um, a lot of times those bureaucrats um, kind of know what to do anyway, um, just based on the inertia of what they have been doing. And so they're able to keep the organization going. And it might seem like it's running smoothly, even though, I mean, the, the upper management may be causing a lot of turmoil internally. All right, so as we're coming near the end here, uh, our whole title was in defense of bureaucracy. We already kind of talked about the why people might not like it. So who wants to start with defending it? Why do we need it? Why do we need these people that know what they're doing and make sure the government doesn't collapse? I'd love to, I'd love to. Um, so, I mean, whether we, whether we like it or not, we have a fourth branch of government in this country and that is the bureaucracy. Um, there's a system of checks and balances that incorporate the bureaucracy in with other the other three branches of government. And, you know, a lot of the frustration that you hear elected officials talk about with the bureaucracy is based on the fact that they that, that they're being checked or they're able to check the powers of the bureaucracy. Um, you know, unless we're in an, you know, an Athenian city state, 
our country is just too big. Our governments are just too big for the people who make the laws to actually enforce them. And so, you know, the, the executive needs help enforcing the laws and that's where the bureaucracy comes into play. And, um, you know, I think that it's, uh, it's the best, you know, wh whether we like it or not, it's the best system for implementing public policy that we've discovered so far. AG, what do you think? Yeah, uh, we need bureaucracy, but my uh, definition of bureaucracy is basically experts. They, they know policy. So if we but probably sometimes I hear you, you can, you know, anyone can do government jobs. I don't think so. Uh, you know, and currently, you know, it seems like a lot of government officials are angry. And I understand uh, State Department, you know, diplomats and other members are leaving that because they do not, I mean, like probably, I'm not going to say who, but uh, basically the political leaders do not uh, appreciate their expertise. They only talk about their political views. But what I'm saying here is, you know, I, I always say to my students, if that happens, right, we, this society is gonna go down, meaning, you know, we can put anything, anyone in government positions. So we need bureaucracy and, and we need experts, okay? I'm not saying you have to be super experts. No, you, it, you, you have to get, you know, you have a knowledge. So that otherwise, you know, society does not work. That's, that's why, in that sense, that's how, why we need a bureaucracy. Josh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so uh, I think bureaucracy definitely in need of defense. When I uh, first saw the title, I immediately thought of uh, Bernard Crick, uh, a British political scientist, political theorist, who in the early 60s came out with a book called In Defense of Politics, right? Uh, politics also uh, always in need of defending. Um, speaking of uh, icons, I suppose we should, somebody should mention uh, the German sociologist Max Weber, right, uh, who saw bureaucracy as the most advanced form of human organization, uh, had both pros and cons. Um, among the cons, right, uh, the process of rationalization leading to um, an iron cage and um, a, a, what does he say, a, a polar night of icy darkness, right, a society run on objective procedure does not need human judgment or the participation of citizens in decision-making. Freedom is lost. Independent thought is lost. Um, we all basically just become parts, cogs in the machine, uh, if you will. All right. We're all familiar, I think, uh, with this sort of uh, negative view uh, of bureaucracy. But as we've been highlighting, um, we do need bureaucracy, um, but bureaucracy isn't perfect, right? Um, it can be improved. We can um, participate in the political process to bring about reform. Um, so a couple of uh, ideas there, one probably more realistic than the other. Uh, the first would be more citizen input and participation um, at all levels. Um, you know, we can think of, for example, the university, right, part of the bureaucracy or law enforcement uh, as other examples. Um, and they routinely seek public input, right, in the form of sort of public opinion and things like this. Um, but I, I believe more uh, is needed more 
actual participation um, by citizens in decision-making um, that affects their daily lives, right? There's no better way to feel that government or bureaucracy is responsive than by participating. Of course, we all have busy lives and lots of Americans are uh, sort of loath to participate even in voting in elections. So I don't know how realistic that one is. Uh, the second one would be um, something along the lines of a, a more responsible bureaucracy, all right? Um, finding a way to, again, allow the demos, uh, allow the, the democratic element in society more ways to have input, to control, uh, to ensure that um, you know, they are actually living up to their charge, which is to uh, promote uh, the public good. Thanks, Josh. Amelia, what do you think? Um, one of the mantras that I always say is that government cannot just open the door. It needs to walk out of the door. And one thing that I found uh, through my research, especially when I was out in the field, was that what, what are typically called street-level bureaucrats, meaning the ones who actually have the most contact face-to-face -face with the public, were the ones who were accomplishing uh, this connection with the citizens, uh, probably much more than, than elected officials. Um, so, and a lot of that was because of, as Josh and Scott have met and, and AG has mentioned, is uh, because of that expertise. So for example, uh, one group that I worked with a lot was uh, with my entertainment policy research was uh, professional musicians. And a lot of members of the bureaucracy that I, that I was in contact with were extremely familiar with some of the particulars of the com uh, commercial music industry and were able to not only relate uh, relay information to the elected officials, but also be able to speak the language when it came to that particular group. Um, so that, that expertise and that face-to-face -face contact really did, in some cases, not only build relationships with the public, but it also sometimes repaired relationships with the public. And building on what Josh said about uh, citizen participation, one of the things that I found with my research was that a lot of times people do want to participate in government, but a lot of times they can't. And a lot, and, and kind of like what he said about busy lives, a lot of times it's because of work schedules, um, childcare issues, et cetera. One of the things that I found in my research was time and place were keys in trying to improve uh, citizen input and citizen interaction. And so one of the things that was either desired or very effective when done was the members of the, the bureaucracy, namely street level bureaucrats, going to the locations where the target population would gather and at the times it would gather, even if it was, even if it would be 3 a.m., um, like if you're talking about nightclub crowds, right? Um, and that's where they were able to reach those populations that hadn't been able to participate before and hadn't been heard before and likewise continue to build those much more constructive relationships. So it sounds like really our bureaucracy 
is making sure we have stability in the government, that it keeps running, because every time we have an elect official, we can't have it shut down and restart, right? Um, it brings in experts and enacts policy. It helps write policy. That really, if we didn't have bureaucracy, we wouldn't have a government because things would just be stopping and starting the entire time. So, all right, so maybe anybody else have any closing thoughts on in defense of bureaucracy? And honestly, would we want to have a citizens meeting every time we needed to change the way the water billing came to your house, right? It's things like that that they also take care of pretty well. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for talking about in defense of bureaucracy. I know we could go on different levels of this, and we might be talking about different levels here in the spring, but it's really easy to see that we do need it. And if we didn't, we wouldn't have the government that we do or the country. And it's all across the world. You have to have bureaucrats as well. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Government. If you have suggestions for future episode topics or other areas you'd like us to cover, please visit our website at link.mnsu.edu backslash Let's Talk Gov to submit your ideas. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode and thank you for listening. <laughs>